Come on, let's praise Jesus together this morning. Yeah. How many of you are loved by the king this morning? Yeah. <laughs> I am loved by the king, and it makes my heart wants to sing. Yes, indeed, we give Jesus glory this morning for loving us and calling us too. Today we will be looking at Jesus' words of encouragement to his disciples after he had announced to them that he was leaving for heaven. There was a lot of confusion. The disciples were very worried about the fact that Jesus was leaving. And we have spoken about this over and again. The reason why they were discouraged was because they had this mindset that he had come to set up a new government in Israel. And so they were very worried about this, that Jesus will not uh, be there if he was leaving, as he said, to uh, do what they had anticipated. What they had in the minds about Jesus was a temporary future that they were looking at, a future for now, like many Christians today do. We set our eyes, eyes and our hearts on the now. What we can get from God now is what we are concerned about. How we can make our lives better now is what we are concerned about. And many Christians today uh, get discouraged when they are not getting their needs met in the now. And as a matter of fact, many Christians have walked away from the faith. They've walked away because they probably prayed a prayer once to God to help them when they were in need of something. And God did not supply that need as they asked for it. And so they got discouraged and walked away from him. They had a temporary uh, 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 future in mind. And that's what they uh, were gravitating toward with Jesus as he came into the world. They were looking at things from a very temporal view. They were worried about the temporal future because that was all that they knew at the time. It was the temp temporal future. In last week's message, I told you that God always thinks bigger than us because his mind is bigger than us. In our district right now, the theme uh, that we are moving with into the new dimension of ministry is coming from the book of Ephesians chapter 3, where it speaks about God doing immeasurably more than we can ever think or ask or imagine. And it's telling us that the God that we serve is bigger than us. His mind is bigger than us. He thinks bigger than us. He has better plans, bigger plans than us. And sometimes in ministry, the reason why we uh, narrow down what we are able to do is because we bring what we are able to do and size it up with the size of our minds and the size of our thinking. We forget that we have a God who is bigger in ministry, a God who is much more larger in his thoughts than we are. He is the one who has called us to ministry. It's like the disciples when he uh, gathered them together and told them to feed the 5,000. And they came to him, Jesus says, are you serious? We don't have food to feed all these people. Let them go back home because of their mindset. And so Jesus asked them, what do you have? 
When they gave him what they had, he multiplied it, and he fed the 5,000. They fed the 5,000, matter of fact, because they gave it to him, he multiplied it, gave it back to them, and they fed the 5,000. And that's what he wants to do with us who come to him with our narrow minds. We come to God with our minds that are so shallow. We come to God. And God wants to take that narrow mind, that shallow mind, and he wants to make it what he wants to make it. And what we need to do is just allow him to do that. So the disciples <coughs> did not understand why Jesus came into the world. And so we, limit, we are limited in our knowledge of what God is doing in our world now. God is gathering us. Listen, he's gathering us now for a place called heaven. That's what he's doing. And the entire ministry of the work of Christ is tied around this, into this one objective. And the one objective is to gather us for what God is about to do. God is taking us to a new place, and the new place he's taking us is called heaven. All right? That's the work of Jesus. This is what the story of salvation is all about. This place called heaven. And so the Bible does give us all that we need to know about this place called heaven where we all will be going someday. One person at a time, we're going to check out and leave and go there. And what we need to know leaves us in breathless wonder about heaven. We need to know, but God has purposefully kept us back from knowing some things about heaven. We know just a little bit about heaven, not all. And he kept us from knowing a lot of things. In 2 Corinthians 12, verses 2 through 4, it tells us that God has kept back from us some things about heaven, or God has saved some things very wonderful for us. We don't know about it yet. He saved it. Now, let's read. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 4, Paul writes these words. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body, I do not know. God knows. He says, and I, I, I know that this man, whether in the body or part from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. Yes, Paul is telling us this thing, that he, Paul, had this trance that took place that somehow he was able to leave the earth and go into heaven. And he got into heaven and God showed him some things that he is not able to express. He can only think about how good it was, but he's not able to express it. And so he was not able to really describe what he saw when he went over there. Okay? So God hid that from, from, from him. Pulling data shows that uh, the majority of, 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 of Americans believe in heaven and hell. But data also shows that only a few small percentage of people on the earth believe that they are going to go uh, to, to hell or going to heaven. And how do they do that? They measure they're going to hell or heaven by the acts of kindness. And so you talk to somebody and say, do you, do you think you're going to go to heaven if you die? Oh, yes, I'm going to go to heaven. Why? Because I did not steal. I'm not killed. I don't hurt people. I love people. And they name these 10 different things that they're doing very well. 
and at some random chance, this is going to take them to heaven. But my friends, this doesn't take anyone to heaven. What takes us to heaven instead is what Jesus did on the cross. You can't miss that. I met a young man the other day, and we got into a conversation, and he told me that he just left the Christian faith and became an agnostic. And I asked him why you did that. He said, well, because I'm getting tired of the fact that I can't live my life the way I want to. You know, and so I feel like Christians is all about doing this and doing that and doing this and don't do this and don't do that. I said, well, you miss, you miss the story of Christianity. And his, his eyes lit up. I said, yes, you missed it. And because you missed it, you go to hell because you missed it. The true story of Christianity it's not about what you do. It is about what he has done. You got to get this right, and it makes it easy to even talk to people about God. It is not about what we do. It is about what God has done on the cross for us. All right? Jesus died and shed his blood, and the blood was placed on the mercy seat in heaven, and that blood makes the atonement for sin, nothing else but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing else but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Okay? We have to wrap our salvation in the blood. It is in the blood of Christ that we have redemption. And so people are carrying the idea of heaven that they can get there by some other chance. No, my friends, it is through Jesus. And it's what he just said in the gospel reading this morning. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to heaven except by me. Jesus said, I am the GPS direction to heaven. You cannot miss it. You miss it, you're going to hell. You're going somewhere else. So we hinge our faith on Christ. We hinge our belief on the cross and the works that he has done for us and nothing else. And that's what set us it, my friends. There's no other condemnation once we believe in the works of the cross of Jesus Christ. This message we present some facts about heaven. The subject of, uh, of our message today comes from uh, this morning's gospel lesson, wherein the Lord is seen encouraging his disciples about this glorious future uh, that awaits us. And here is the context for the, the message this morning from John 14, verse 2, the B part of that verse, where Jesus says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. This place is the place we call heaven. It's what Jesus is talking about that he's going to prepare. Let's look at three quick things about heaven, and I'm going to sit down. The first is heaven is for real. We have to remember that heaven is for real. It's no fiction. It is real. Look in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 3 and 4. Look what Paul says. He says, I know a man in Christ, that's why we just read, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. The third heaven. Remember that, the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Uh, God, uh, but, uh, well, God body, I do not know, but God knows was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. Now, speaking about heaven, let me first inform you of that there are three layers of heaven. You have to understand this. The first one is this atmospheric heaven that we see when you look up in the air and you see the clouds. That is considered the first heaven. Now, we look at that. 
The second heaven is the celestial heaven. And this, the second heaven is where we have all of the heavenly bodies, where all of the planets are, and including the one that you're sitting, you are in right now. Do you know we are hanging up in space? You probably don't understand it because you're sitting down here because gravity is holding us down. But this earth or this globe that we live on is also hanging up in space. We are all up in space in the second heaven. It's where we are. All right, that's the place where we are. Now, now the third heaven, the third one is the place uh, where Paul is talking about in this, in this text, where he talks about the third heaven. And that's the place where God dwells. That's the third heaven. Uh, and that's our emphasis this morning. We're talking about the third heaven. We aren't talking about the first heaven or the second, but we're talking about the third heaven. The passage tells us that we can go to heaven out of our bodies or in our bodies. That's what the text just told us, that you, you don't have to die to get to heaven because Paul went up there while he was still alive. As a matter of fact, one of my pastors when I was young, younger in the church gave us a story about how he went to heaven uh, also. All right? So he uh, uh, left his body lying on the bed and ascended in the room. He was looking at his body on the bed, and in, in, the, in the twinkling of an eye, he was up there in heaven, seeing these beautiful things that he couldn't even explain himself. And he said, I, could, I cannot explain it because there's nothing on the earth to try to use to describe what heaven looks like. Okay, so he, he had this experience, and he says that he met this tall guy, and he's trying to tell the guy, I'm looking for where I'm supposed to be. And the guy said, no, it ain't time for you to be here yet. Go back. And in an instant, he finds himself in the room, back in his body, and he gets up from there. He's so angry why he came back here. And he's taking all his things out of the room, throwing it outside. He's mad. And people thought he went mad, but he was doing that because he was so upset that he came back to this trouble place. Okay? But, but people have had experiences of heaven. Several scripture presents uh, this to be true. In the Bible, like one, we just looked at what Paul wrote about this. Now, Jesus was taken up on the clouds, the Bible says, in bodily form after he came back to, 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 to life from the grave. In Acts 1 11, it says, Men of Galilee, they said, these were three men standing in white after Jesus was taken up into the clouds, and they started to talk to the disciples who were still staring at the clouds. Why do you stand here looking into the, the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus was taken up in a bodily form and he went into heaven. And you see, we see that. So living testimonies about heaven, or who have, people, people have testimonies about heaven who have traveled up there. And they're still on earth. Go on YouTube and you'll find a lot of those stories about people who have gone to heaven and came back and had an experience of this. The movie Heaven is for Real. It's another movie you can look up and see. That is a true story of someone who went to heaven and saw things in heaven. This little boy came back and was talking about how he saw his great-grandfather in heaven. Someone he never met, but he knew when he met him in heaven. So heaven is a real place in Isaiah chapter 40, I mean 14, sorry, verses 13 and 14 gives us a description of, of Satan falling uh, down from heaven. 
That was when the war took place, when he said that he was going to build his kingdom above God's kingdom. He was going to go and rise up above God and build his kingdom there. And God threw him down to the earth from heaven. That story is written in the Bible as well. So the place called heaven is a place that is real. And this is the place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. It is a real place. That's the first thing. Heaven is real. Let's look at the next point. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a ready place. It is not just a real place, but it is a ready place. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8, it reads, We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. This text lets us know that heaven is not just a real place, but that it is a ready place place. It is a place that is ready. It tells us that those who die in the the Lord go to be with the Lord. And the last time I checked, the Lord is in heaven. Jesus is seated, the Bible says, at the right hand of the Father, where? In heaven. Today we read in the second reading how when Stephen was about to be stoned to death, and as they were stoning him, he looked up and he said, oh, I see heaven open and I see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the Father, or standing at the right hand of the Father in that text. So heaven is a real place. An example of that also can be found in the story of the the, the Mount of Transfiguration, where Moses and Elijah met Jesus on the mount. These two men have been dead over 600 years. There they are with Jesus on the mountain. After dying, they are there with Jesus on the mountain. And they are having fellowship, a good time together. That should let you and I know that when we leave this body, it is not over. This body that we wear is just a connection to this world that we live in. We live in a physical, tangible world, and we need to make contact. So God give us the body to be here. But a time is going to come when you will leave the body. And when you leave this body, you leave this atmosphere. And you leave this atmosphere and you get into another realm. And in another realm where you're going to get is the realm of eternity. You leave the realm of time and you get in the realm of eternity. And there in eternity, it's where we're going to spend all the rest of your time. And it's going to be an endless time. The question is, where are you going to spend it? It's what matters. Are you going to spend it with Jesus in heaven? Or are you going to spend it with the devil in hell? This is what matters. And this is why Jesus came to turn the table around. Because the evil one's plan was to come and steal, kill, and destroy and take us into hell. And Jesus said, that's not going to happen on my watch. He came down here, went on the cross, shed his blood. And the blood is in heaven now so that nobody, nobody would go to hell. That everybody would go to heaven who looked to the cross for redemption. My friend, look to the cross and live. Look to Jesus and live. He is the only altar and finisher of your faith. You cannot put it in anything else because all the grounds are sinking sand. Uh, there, will be, uh, there will come a time for all of us when we will leave this body and move into heaven with Jesus to live with him there. Philippians chapter 1 verse 23 says, I'm torn between two. This is Paul. Paul had experienced what it is to be in heaven and now he's on the earth doing ministry on the earth, and he's ministering and bringing a lot of souls to faith in Jesus Christ. And he writes in, first, in Philippians 1 verse 23 that I'm torn between the two. He says, I, I, I'm struggling here 
I want to be here with y'all. I want to be here and win more souls and do a lot for the kingdom of God. But I also want to be in heaven too because it's good to be in heaven. And that's why he says, I desired, I desired to depart and be with Christ, which is better. Listen, better. See that? Better by far, he says. It is better to be in heaven than to be on uh, this earth. Heaven is already and a better place. No more earthly troubles when you get into heaven. You understand me, my friends? I mean, no more earthly troubles. You don't have to deal with the noise of ambulance. Ambulance coming to the house to pick you up and take you to the hospital. You don't have to deal with the problem of police. You don't have to deal, deal with the problem of politics no more. Republicans and Democrats, all that stuff be gone because Jesus Christ is the only, only president of heaven. We don't need to vote no more. He is going to be there forever and ever and ever and ever. Oh, the voting is done away with. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the man in heaven. No more politics, no more armies. We don't have to worry about wars. No more afflictions. We don't have to worry about that. Uh, no more tiring labor. You get up tomorrow morning, everybody's gonna go home today, rest. Tomorrow morning, get up, go down that same old road, the same traffic light, going down the same express highway to the same old office, sitting behind that same old desk, doing it over and over and over and over. You have no more to do that. You will rest from your labor when you get in heaven. As a matter of fact, you know why we have these ambulances and police and all these things around? It is only to protect this body because nobody wants to die. You want to be safe. That's the, that's the message. We want to be safe from death. But no matter how safe we feel we are, my friends, we're still going to die. <laughs> you can live until you get 60, 80, 90, 100 years old. You're still going to die. Get this message. This is a temporal life. And someday we're going to check out. But when you check out and you get to heaven, my friends, everything about you is going to change. And this is the ultimate hope of the church. This is our hope. We got hope in nothing else, my friends. The ultimate hope of the church. Reason why you come here every Sunday to come in worship and praise God. The reason why you get on those Bible studies. You come in on the prayer line on Wednesday. All this stuff is because of this one hope. The one hope is in this future that we have. When we leave this realm of time and get into the realm of eternity. It is this one hope that we have, that the church has. So let's move on. We talk about how heaven is real, heaven is ready. Lastly, let's look at how heaven is a relational place. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, reads, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now, we will be transformed. That's what this text is telling us in the first place. Let's talk about that first. Bible's telling us we will be transformed. The text tells us that we shall see face to face. What is it talking about? What is Paul speaking about? To understand this, you must go back to Paul's day and see what the, it looked like in those times and what the mirror, mirrors looked like during those days. Back in those days, they would take brass. And they would take the brass and polish it. Polish it enough that they can see through it, you know, thinly or barely see through it. 
at least to get, a, get an, an image of themselves. They didn't have mirrors like we have right now. And this is the, the picture that Paul was giving to them, that when you look in the mirror, in what we call mirror today, you can only see yourself faintly. You cannot see yourself clearly. He says, but then a time is coming when you will see face to face. It'll be made clear. The whole idea about heaven will be made clear. We don't understand it right now, my friends. Sometimes it becomes a weary journey to do this Christian journey, to be on this road that God's called us on. Sometimes my life gets weary. I must tell you this, I get weary and tired. Sometimes I want to throw in a towel and walk away and just leave it alone because it becomes so burdensome. You know, sometimes it gets that way, especially serving in all these various capacities, not only here as senior pastor of the church, but serving as circuit visitor of the Fifth Circuit of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, and serving as the president for the Liberian uh, Christian Ministers Association. And all these people keep calling me and texting me, and you got you to do all of this stuff. I got to go to conferences. I got to do sermons. I got to talk to members. I got to pray with people, visit people. Every, I tell God, God, you got to give me the strength. You see, you see, because so many people depend on what I do. The journey gets weary. The journey gets tiring. The journey gets boring. But you know what? Every time that happens, guess what I do? I look unto Jesus. I look unto Jesus. The Bible says, looking on to Jesus. It's a continuous stare, a continuous look. As long as we carry this journey we are on, we need to keep our eyes on Christ. Not on anything else around us, but we look at Jesus. He is the author. He started it. And the Bible says he is the what? The finisher of your faith. He finishes it. Not you. You can't quit. We got to keep on keeping on. We got to keep moving. We are in the army for Jesus Christ. And we keep marching on until the time we're going to take our exit out. That's the plan. And nothing is going to stop it. No devil is going to stop it. Culture is not going to stop it. The society we live in will not stop it. The people in church will not stop it. We will keep serving God and serve him until he comes back. Give God a hand of praise this morning. Okay, let me, let me close this because I got to sit down. Well, we will have a supernatural 2020 vision in heaven. It's not going to be like this. I won't need this in heaven. I'm wearing this because I'm still using this body, and the body ages. And as it ages, then the vision gets blurry. But when you get into heaven, you don't need that because you don't have this body. You have your soul, and you are just living your life. You don't need any extra pair of glasses. In 1 John 3, 2, Verse 2, the B part of our verse is, but we know that when Christ appears, listen to this, when Christ appears, it says what? We shall be like him, and for we shall see him as he is. You know, the old Negro spiritual says it this way. It says, we will understand it better by and by. We will understand it. There are a lot of things now we don't understand but when we get to heaven, you, you, you wouldn't even have to ask questions when you get to heaven. You understand me? I've heard a lot of Christians tell me, when I get up, I'm going to ask the Lord a lot of questions. You wouldn't have no questions because you would have all the answers that you would need. The Bible says you would be like him. And if you are like Jesus, what kind of question you wouldn't have answers to? You have the answer to everything. 
Anything you think about, the answer is going to be right there. You will not have to ask no questions because all the answers will be there. We will meet our ancestors in heaven. You'll meet your ancestors, and you won't need no ancestry.com in heaven. You understand me? When you get into heaven, you will meet your great, 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 grand, great, or whatever. All the way back, you will meet all of them. Everybody that makes up your family line, you will meet them, you will recognize them, you will identify them in heaven. You won't need ancestry.com anymore. And then what you're going to get in heaven will be right. It would not be wrong. It would not be inaccurate. You wouldn't have to question whether this is true or not because you will see them just as they will be. And so we will be gathered there, the Bible says, together. And this is the, the, the part that I'm, I'm going to close on because in heaven, heaven is a relational place. You will see one another, touch one another, talk to one another. My mother has been dead for over 30 years now. Uh, no, hold up. I think over 40 years my mom been dead. But I'm going to meet her in heaven. And what a great reunion that will be. And that's going to happen to all of us here who have lost loved ones out of this earth. You'll meet them in heaven. And what a great reunion that will be when the family gathers together and talk about the old, old stories together and enjoy laughing and fellowshipping again. That's what we want to look for. And if any one of your family members don't make it in heaven, you know where they are. They are in a place called hell. They will be in isolation. There will be some empty chairs there because people did not make it there. So in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, Paul says, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. All right? Look at the word forever. Look at that. Forever. Here on the earth, our lives have timelines to it. And many of us have downsized because the time of that season of living in the big house has gone away. You've downsized to a smaller place, and we keep downsizing, and we downsize to a box. That's what the life is like on this earth. And then you downsize to the small little spot in the cemetery. That's the last place of downsizing on this earth. You're out, you're checked out, you're gone, and you get into this place. But when you get to heaven, the Bible says that we will live there, what? Look at that. We'll be with the Lord for what? Forever. Remember this word, forever. 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 Nothing, nothing is going to separate us from being with the Lord in heaven. Can you imagine spending life with your loved ones once forever? You don't have to worry no more about health issues, sickness, aging, nothing. We're living it forever there in heaven. This is the place, my friends, that Jesus has gone to prepare for all of us. This is the hope of the church. And anyone who has this hope encourages himself in the Lord. Walk away from the world and its system and place your hope in the only person who is able to keep you from falling and give you the eternal hope that everyone hopes for. I pray that these words from God this morning would encourage your hearts and keep you steadfast in your faith, knowing always that Jesus will not bring you this far and leave you. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen.